Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. The theme of our year is crowned with goodness. And I thought, what better way to start our year with that theme than to do a series of the very same name, Crowned with Goodness. And so for the next three weeks, in the lead up to our Vision Sunday service, we're going to be doing a series called Crowned with Goodness. Repeat after me, Crowned with Goodness which is taken from a psalm, Psalm 65 and verse 11, and it simply reads this, You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. I love that. Your paths drip with abundance. The King James Version says your paths drip with fatness. Oh, I believe this year we're going to get fat in Jesus' Name. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. I'm just saying, according to the Scripture, there is fatness on the way for us at church. Yeah? Who wants to get fat for Jesus this year? You've you got to understand there's a context to that. You see, fatness in the Scriptures represented prosperity and blessing. And leanness represented poverty and want and lack and need. And so in 2018, fat is not good and lean is what everyone wants. But in the Bible, fat is good and lean is bad. So we're going to have a fat year according to the Scriptures this year because that's the outworking of God's goodness to us. I believe it's a year where God wants to pour out His abundance and blessing and goodness that we all might get fat in Jesus' Name. It starts by saying, you crown. Everyone say crown. See, a crown represents power. A crown represents legitimacy. It represents victory. It represents triumph, honour and glory. If you think about a young prince at a coronation service, he kneels and there is a crown placed upon his head and it represents the end of an old era and the beginning of a new era. It represents a new authority upon this young man's life. And I believe that is what God is doing to us as a church. I believe it's what God is doing to you as a family, in your marriage. And I believe it's what God wants to do for you individually. God has declared that there is a crown and it's fit for your head. And it's not just a crown for a day. It says it's a crown for a year. That's every day of the year. In every year, there are four seasons Isn't it good to know that it's not just good when the going's good. It's not just good when springtime, where it's beautiful weather and the birds are singing and the flowers are budding. I mean, we expect goodness in those seasons. But what about the lonely, wet winter? The Bible says there is, you've been crowned in the coldest, wettest, loneliest season of your life. You can expect to be crowned with goodness. What about the hot, dry, dusty seasons of your life? Well, the Bible says that you can expect to be crowned and find goodness in the midst of your dry season. The Bible says that God wants to crown your head for the whole year with His Goodness. He wants your life to drip with abundance and fatness 
this year. And I'm believing that this year will indeed be a great year for us as a church and for you individually and for your families. And I want to say this, because it can sound like I'm just hyping it up at the beginning of a year. That's what, you know, you modern churches do. This truth that I'm bringing today is not based upon what I think. It's not based upon hype. I'm not saying, come on, let's get into a frenzy about a, a vain notion or a vain thought. I'm talking about a goodness that's not based upon my goodness, thank God, and not based upon your goodness, because that's too flippant, thank God for that. I'm not talking about a goodness that's based on circumstances or situations. I'm talking out of an absolute conviction that this goodness that we can expect is based upon the unchanging nature that God Himself is a good God. Are you with me today? God is a good God. Which brings me to my subtitle for today's message. The message for the series is crowned with goodness, but today's message is simply this, that God is good. And it's important that we understand that God is good. Because what you believe about God is very, very, very important. It's more important what you believe about God than who God actually is in your life. Because we live out of our belief system. A year crowned with goodness starts with a belief that He is good. Because if you think God is good, then you'll expect good things to happen. But if you think God is mean, you'll expect mean things to happen. If you think God is angry, you'll expect God to do angry things and act out of anger towards you this year. What you expect will come out of what you believe. Proverbs 23 verse 7, which for me is a well-worn verse, simply says this, For as a man thinks in his heart, and ladies, it applies to you too, as a woman thinks in her heart, as a man thinks in his heart, so it is. Eat and drink, he says to you, but in his heart, he is not with you. You see, what we believe is not seen in what we say. What we believe is seen when the test is placed upon us. Eat and drink, he says, but in his heart, he's not with you. What does that mean? And what does that look like? I don't know if you're anything like me. Have you ever been in a home where someone welcomes you in and says, hey, help yourself to the fridge? You ever had that experience? And silly you thought that they actually meant help yourself to the fridge. And so you go to the fridge, if you're anything like me, if someone tells me that I can help myself to the fridge, I'm going to put them to the test. Just, a, just a, a word of warning. If you ever invite me to your house and say, help yourself to the fridge, I will put you to the test. If you say, hey, what's mine is yours, I will put you to the test. I will have screwdriver at the ready. I will take your plasma and I will take it home because what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. But have you ever helped yourself to the fridge because someone said help yourself to the fridge and then you get a weird vibe? And at that moment you think, hang on, something's not right. What you're saying isn't matching up with how you're acting. Because how you're acting is displaying what you truly believe. See, every one of us want an appearance of generosity. No one wants to be known as stingy, nobody. We all want to be known as generous. And so we learn to say generous things. And you learn that very quickly in church. In church, you learn certain language. And that's a good thing, but it can become problematic if we don't believe it. 
And so we can soon build up a facade of generosity. We can soon build up a facade that doesn't match our belief system. And so we say, I want to be generous, so I'm going to open my home up. And the whole time someone's in your home, you're thinking, they haven't taken their shoes off. They're sitting on the couch. Oh my gosh, they're eating my food. If you've ever felt that in yourself, that's, that's because your belief system doesn't match your words. If you've ever got that vibe off someone, it's simply telling you that their belief isn't matching their words. They want the appearance of generosity, but they don't have a belief system of generosity. Because someone who has a belief system of generosity says, help yourself to the fridge and you help yourself to the fridge and they don't care because they actually meant it because they believe it. And herein herein lies the problem with this church. We don't always believe what we say. And it's the problem with the church. We don't always believe what we say, but we've learned enough things to say. And we kid ourselves because we say it, we believe it. And that's not true. What we believe is vitally important in our life. What you believe about what happens is far more, has far more power than what actually happens. I'll say it again. What we believe about what happens is, has far more power than what actually happens. You see, your revelation determines your expectation. And your expectation determines the way you process information. I'll say it again and then I'll explain it. Your revelation determines your expectation. What you believe about God determines what you expect God to do. And then your expectation determines the way you process information. For example, if you have a revelation about yourself that is of a very low standard, you have low self-respect. The revelation of you is not a good one. You don't think you are good looking. You don't think you're smart. You think you're a failure. You don't like yourself. If that's a revelation about you, then your expectation of others is that they won't like you. Would that be fair to say? I don't like me, so why would anyone else like me? And so already, before I get involved in a conversation with you, I've come to the conclusion, you don't like me. Why? Because I don't like myself. And then whatever happens... It twists the information. I twist the information based upon my expectation and revelation. And so because I don't love myself, I don't think anyone else loves me. And now I see Dan and Ashari talking and they're whispering. And so I think they're talking about me. I twist the information because of my expectation, which is based on my low revelation. And we do the same with God. We see God blessing someone and we have an understanding that God loves them, but God can't possibly love me. And if I have the revelation that God doesn't love me, then when I'm sitting in a meeting like this, I feel like God couldn't be talking to me. And so I don't fit in. What we believe about what we say is vitally important. What actually happens is not as important as what we believe that happened. I, I kind of want to have the opposite of it. I want to say, you know what? I'm awesome because of what the Bible says about me. I'm the apple of His eye. God doesn't make rubbish. He saved the best of His creation till the last day and I was included in that creation as a human being. I'm awesome. I love me. I'm amazing. And so why wouldn't you love me? Which is a far better attitude to have than the opposite. And if someone's whispering, I think, oh, I bet they're talking about me. 
I bet it's good. <laughs> You're welcome, you know, like. <laughs> but if you have a low self-image, nobody loves me. Oh, they're talking about me. I, I don't feel like I fit in this church anymore because everyone's talking about me. I'll be honest with you, most people aren't talking about you. Unfortunately, most people aren't even thinking about you. <laughs> and this notion that the whole world hates you, newsflash, most of the world doesn't even know you exist. You see how it can blow things out of proportion. What we believe is so important. One of the primary roles of the enemy is to twist information, to distort our revelation and lower our expectation. I'm going to say this again. One of the key strategies, remember the Bible says not to be unaware of the devil's schemes or devil's strategies. Most of the time we're not facing the devil. We're not fighting the devil. There's only one devil there's almost 8 billion people on the planet. We're not facing the devil. You know, the devil's got bigger fish to fry than you or me, for the most part. But what he sets in place is schemes, strategies, systems that work really well in his absence. So we've got to be aware of his schemes. And one of the major schemes of the enemy is to twist information, to distort your revelation and lower your expectation. He wants to take the information that God brings and twist that information to change the revelation we have about God to lower our expectation of God. And we see the devil do that with the very first human beings on the planet in the Garden of Eden all those years ago where it was only Adam and Eve. God says, hey, I've placed you in the best place and you can eat from any tree in the garden, just don't eat of this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And for many years, they, they enjoyed the blessing of that garden until one fateful day, Lucifer, the fallen angel, who was so full of pride, he wanted to be like God and God kicked him out of heaven and he took with him one third of the angels, which we know as demons. And he showed up that day in the form of a serpent and... He appeared to Eve and this is what he said. He said, then the serpent said to the woman, you won't die. There was a specific command, specific information that came directly from God. Do not eat from this tree or you will die. What is the devil doing? He's twisting the information. He says, you won't die. <laughs> you won't die. He says, for God knows that in the day you eat of the fruit of this tree, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God and you'll know good and evil. What is the devil doing? He's distorting and twisting the information that was given directly to Adam and Eve. You're going to die your eyes will be opened. You'll see things you've never seen before. You'll know things you've never known before. You'll understand things you've never understood before. Do you know why God is not wanting you to eat from the tree? This is what He's saying without saying it. He's insecure. God's just insecure. He doesn't want you to be like Him. He wants to be top dog, but He knows if you eat from this tree, you'll be just like Him. And He loses power and authority. Now, let me ask this. Have any of you ever had those thoughts? Let's, let's not blame Adam and Eve as to why sin entered the earth. I want to tell you, put any one of us in that garden, we do the same thing. We, we buy into the twisted, distorted information 
that the serpent was feeding them. And they're like, wow, you know, I do want to be like God. Okay, let's be honest. Who wants to be all-knowing? Who wants to be all-powerful? Who wants to be omnipresent? Wouldn't it be cool? I want to go to Greece today. But I'm there. I like, well, it's cool. Come on. Let's not blame Adam and Eve. Let's put ourselves in the story. And the notion that, wow, you mean I can be like God. That's cool. And they buy into this line. And then they said, you know what? And, and actually, you know what? The fruit does look good. Because it always does. God doesn't tempt us with bad fruit. The devil doesn't tempt us with bad fruit. It's not like this rotten apple. Like, oh, no thanks. It's like, this is, it looks good. And, and so they take a bite of that fruit and there's a consequence to their actions. Where did it start? The devil distorts the information, changes the revelation they have of God. The God's not good. God's insecure. God's jealous. God's threatened. And now their expectation of God has changed. That is one of the key strategies of the enemy, to distort the information. Where does that information come from? The Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. The question is, what do we believe about the Word of God? See, the devil doesn't try to convince them that God doesn't exist. See, in the majority of this room, most of us believe that God exists. The devil doesn't waste time trying to convince Adam and Eve that God doesn't exist. He tries to convince them that God's not good. And that's far more powerful. That if there's a God that exists, but he doesn't love you, and he's not good, that's powerful. And that's what he does. And one of my challenges as a pastor is to help people who don't believe God exists Help them understand they exist. But then it's to help Christians hold on to the fact that God is good. Because I know you wouldn't be human if in your journey following Christ, you haven't had doubts. You know, I, I've been involved in ministry for many, many years and started in youth ministry. And we used to go to the entertainment centre and have youth alive and see many young people put their hand up and say yes to Jesus. And they were convinced of the goodness of God. The trouble is over time. They're split up from their girlfriend. That hurt. They go to university. They hear other teachings. They get married. They have children. They get a promotion. They get a home. They have responsibilities. It's amazing. They've got far more, and yet they're far less joyful and appreciative. They were more joyful when they had less because of the responsibilities and the demands and the hurts over a period of time. And it changes our belief system. My prayer for us as a church, that going into 2018, we would have a fresh revelation of this truth that God is good. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through right here, right now, God is a good God. Understanding the goodness of God is the entrance through which we access every blessing in your life. How you view God is very, very important. If you think God's against you and you get a flat tyre, you're going to interpret that flat tyre as God judging you, God hating you, God being mean and cruel. 
And I want to say, you know what? Maybe that flat tyre had something to do with the fact that you ran over a nail in the road. End of story. See, when you believe God is good, it's easier to come to that conclusion than if you think God is bad. You know, I'm not here this morning to bring up any pain. We have Lisa on the front row here, and I hope you give me permission to go here. But only last week, it marked the second anniversary of Chris's passing, Lisa's husband, and we've got the children here. And that's painful for them. It's painful for many of us who knew Chris. It's more painful for them. But as a pastor, I get in pastoral care mode and I'm thinking of the people it's going to affect most and I'm trying my best to be a good pastor, often failing but trying my best. And I've got to be honest with you, God didn't help me on that day. On the 22nd of January, 2018, two years after Chris died, Adelaide recorded over 10,000, I think it was, lightning strikes. And I've got to be honest with you. For me, I thought that was really cruel. I think, according to my understanding, I thought that was really insensitive. I'm like, God, your timing is really off. I mean, I think for me as a pastor, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, I mean, if I'd posted a photo of some lightning on that day, I think you'd have a word to say to me. I think you'd say, how insensitive. And, and before Lisa got to me, I'm sure there'd be her posse that would come to me first. And I'd be just hanging from a rope somewhere before Lisa even gets to me. Because it'd be so insensitive as a pastor. Because And we have. We've worked hard to try and be sensitive. Everybody's got it right, but we've tried to be sensitive to this issue. And, and that's one issue. Then I think about when I talk about marriage, I, okay, I'm mindful of all those who've been divorced. I've got to be mindful of that. And we, I, try, I, I try and be as sensitive as I can. I don't always get it right, but I try my best. But here's God just showing off. Here's God with zero sensitivity, according to my understanding, get this I'm thinking God it's just, it's just rude now you're just being rude they're showing off and then they're just being insensitive and rude and cruel and unkind and unfair and I don't like it you're certainly not making my job as a pastor any easier some of you are looking like huh? is he allowed to say that because some of you think God only hears what you say and he doesn't hear your thoughts but God knows your thoughts before you even have them. And so I'm just bringing it out into the light. You know why? Because that's when it can get help. While you hold on to things and don't say it, you kid yourself that you're better than you are and you're doing better than you are. I've got to be honest with you. I, I, I took massive exception to what took place on the 22nd of January. And I phoned you and I told you. I said, I don't get God's timing at all. And I use this phrase a lot, my understanding. According to my understanding, it's insensitive. According to my understanding, it's wrong. According to my understanding, it's cruel. But the Bible says that if we're to experience abundance and blessing and fatness, it's on His path. It's His paths will drip with goodness. You want goodness? You don't follow your path. You don't follow your understanding. You can have understanding. Nothing wrong with that. And if you are bold enough and honest enough to agree with me that you had somewhere in the vicinity of the same sort of thinking. Look at you, better than me. <laughs> but if you did, can I just be honest with you, that doesn't make you a bad person. That your understanding came up with a conclusion 
about God that is opposite to what he said. That doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you a person. It makes you a human. And at that moment, we understand our humanity. We understand why we need God. And so what do I do with this understanding? Cruel, insensitive, off with your timing. I mean, it wasn't like just one little... It was like, dog was going off. I woke up in the morning in Mitchie's room. BJ was there. The dog was there. I'm like, what? And I think of one of my go-to verses. Proverbs chapter five, uh, th- 3, verse 5. To trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It didn't say don't have your own understanding. I love the Bible. It doesn't hide from the very reality that we face as humans. See, this is what most of us do. I, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be thinking like this. I, I'm not thinking like this. I'm better than this. I'm not. No, 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 you, you are. Oh, we beat ourselves up. I shouldn't be thinking like this. I shouldn't be thinking like this. You know what? For 2018, can we forget what we should or shouldn't be doing and, and look at what we are doing? Because should thinking holds you a victim. Whereas reality thinking gives you a pathway to overcoming. I, I shouldn't be thinking like this, God. I shouldn't be thinking like this. I would rather say, God, I think it's cruel. <laughs> I think it's insensitive. I think it's wrong. You know I think that. I'm going to say it. And then I'm going to bring my thinking into line with your thinking. That's my path. And I choose to get off my path at this moment and bring all my thinking to your path. I have thinking. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's stinking. I think most of us suffer from stinking thinking. And I take my stinking thinking and I bring it back to the path of God, which drips with abundance. And I'm going to choose His way. Amen. Dan, come up here just quickly. We had an incredible illustration uh, with Pastor Scott Thornton. He spent a couple of days with our leaders and he talked about the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to lead us. He will take us by the hand and He will lead us into all truth. The trouble is what we do with the Holy Spirit, we grab His hand and then we say, Holy Spirit, over here. Hey, Holy Spirit, I, I, I think God's cruel. I don't think that's right at all. I think He's off. I think He's insensitive. But the Bible says that we're to take Him by the hand and the Holy Spirit's to lead us. Thank you. I think I made my point. You might be hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, but who's leading? It's okay to have understanding. It's okay to have thinking. But we've got to surrender our thinking to God. And what we do at that moment determines what we really believe. And so I had a lot of thoughts on the 22nd of January 2018. But you know what I did with them? I just got it back on the path. I said, I didn't get it. But that's what makes you God. The fact that I don't understand everything, and I have one to place my trust in, is incredibly freeing. And that's made a lot easier to be able to do when you understand that God is good. If you don't believe God is good, you'll never do what I've just said. So when I'm thinking it's insensitive, it's cruel, I go back to, but you are good. And I know you're good. And because I know you're good, I'm going to trust you. 
The rest of 2016 didn't get much easier for us as a church, or certainly me as a person and us as a family. With Kath's cancer scare, Mitchy breaking his arm, me having a blood infection in hospital for three weeks, three flipping weeks. All of you who know me know that I've got ADD, LMNOP, I've got every letter of the alphabet. I don't do sitting in hospitals for three weeks. And then I had a blood infection that uh, caused my heart valve to be damaged and I had to have heart, open heart surgery. And honestly, I still don't know why all that happened. But you know what it didn't do? It didn't dampen this belief. You are good. Good. I don't get it, Lord. Good. Kath, I can't sing. Can you sing for me? I, just, I believe it. I just can't sing right now. There was a time I was so weak I couldn't read my Bible. <gasps> Pastor couldn't read his Bible. I said, Kath, can you read? I just can't read it. Can you read for me? Because I know he's good. I don't know what he's doing. But you are good. <laughs> I, just, I just believe it. I can't sing. I know. Okay. Okay, you got me. I can't sing. But I do believe it. I believe God's good. I believe God is incredibly good. And for this year to be a year that drips with goodness, it starts with this belief that God is good. See, if you don't believe God is good, we'll get to the end of the year and say, see, I told you, what was all that about? Tony going on at the beginning of the year, goodness here, right. I got to the end of 2016, a little bit beaten up. But honestly... Some of the moments in church life, some of the relationships that were formed, some of the conversations that were had, the depth that we went to as a church. I said, God, I still don't get it, but I can see your goodness. I can see that our church is better for it amidst the pain because it gave us an opportunity to showcase what we truly believe. Anyone can say, help yourself to the fridge. <laughs> but I felt like our fridge was wide open 2016 and people helped themselves. And we said, you are good. God is good. But I can't put my belief onto you or in you. No pastor can, no husband can, no wife can, no father can, no mother can. It's something that is between you and God. I believe in the goodness of God, not because it's hype, not because I'm a pastor and I have to say something like, oh, I've got to say something. I believe in the goodness of God because there's lots of evidence of it. Let's get the band up here. I'm going to go through these things really quickly. Number one, because creation is good. God creates in Genesis chapter one. And at the end of the first day, he said, it is good. At the end of the second day, what he creates, he says, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. On day six, he saves the best of his creation to last. That's you and that's me, human beings. And he says, it is good. You are good because God is good. The goodness of God is seen in creation. Just recently, we've had this big blood red moon or a super moon. or they had all these different names for this moon. It just looked like a moon to me, but Amazing. Amazing. God is amazing. He is good. Secondly, God reveals Himself to people as good. To Moses in Exodus chapter 6, it says, The Lord passed before him and he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God is merciful, gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness. Thirdly, God's promises are good. 
He promised to bring the people of God into the largest space, into the promised land. Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land of, to a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, the promises of God is good. I know God is good because the Holy Spirit is good. God gives good gifts and He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truth. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. He never leads me astray. I don't always understand. I don't always get it. But I know He can be trusted because He's a good Spirit. I know God is good. You know why, number five? Because Jesus is good. Oh, church, I thank God for Jesus. You know, I, I'm one of those incredibly blessed people that's lived a pretty sheltered life. I'll be the first to admit it. I've never been drunk. I joke about it sometimes. I say, Kath and I are going to lock ourselves away one day, maybe on our anniversary, and just get drunk just to see what it feels like. We're going to lock the door so we don't do anything silly. We're going to put our phones away so there's no evidence. <laughs> just to see what it feels like. But to date, we haven't done that, so I can say, I've never been drunk. The day I stop saying I've never been drunk, you'll know, oh, that happened. But anyway... <laughs> In actual fact, I didn't drink for many, many years and I seem like a really a qualified drinker, not like some of the people in the front row here. But anyway, <laughs> because when I was 19, I was out with my friends, unsaved friends, and I had a beer and, and I just, I've always had a lot of energy to burn. And I would find myself just kind of like the life of the party. And I'll never forget this one guy just telling my youth group that I'll never forget that night when Tony was drunk. And I thought, wow, I'm not going to allow alcohol to get the credit for the goodness of God that lives in me. And so I made a, a decision just not to do that. So, so I've been a fairly sheltered life. I haven't been drunk. I've never done drugs. I don't have one of those stories. I haven't been you know, married X amount of times. haven't had a you know, lot of girlfriends. You know, I've slept with one woman. She's on the front row there. She's amazing. And you know, I don't really have a lot of really sex, drugs, rock and roll stories. Pretty boring, really. I don't even know why I'm saying this now. I'm not like, I'm in my point. That's right. But my need and desire for Jesus is as great as the person who has prostituted himself, who found himself on Hindley Street this morning, not remembering last night. I'm no better. It's Jesus that is equalizer. And I never want to grow tired or weary of pronouncing my love for Him. And I never want my familiarity over the years to get the better of me and take Him for granted. And we can say we love Jesus, but if you're getting jaded and your church attendance is getting less, I don't have to question. Are we grateful? Do we really see God as good? Because to me, to get to church, to give regularly, financially, I don't do it because I'm a pastor. Well, because we have to. It's just because I have a revelation. God's good. God is good. And how's this? Number six. The end of all things is good. Revelation 21 verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear, Lisa. There shall be no more death or sorrow or crying. Imagine that day, Lisa, when you're not crying. Those of you who know Lisa well, she's a crier. She, she cries. She, when she's happy, she cries. When she's sad, she cries. 
when she's watching cricket, I think most people cry when cricket's on because it's so boring, but you know. <laughs> There'll be no more sorrow, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I don't understand a lot of things that go on in planet Earth, but I do know this, in a hundred years from now, to everyone in this room, it's going to make a lot more sense. Because we're going to be in a place where there's no more weeping, for all of those who've called upon the name of the, the Lord Jesus Christ and professed Him as Saviour, no more sorrow, no more pain. See, I, I've read the end of the Bible. Spoiler alert, we win. And I know there are days that are tough and there are days that you're all alone and you can't understand it and you can't put words to it. I know. And I know pain is relative. I know. And I know it's hard to get what you need in certain moments at certain times and the temptation is to stray and go your own way. I know. But let this truth hold you as an anchor today. That in the end, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purposes. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 